News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. It's the Pensacola Expert Panel. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Jake Walker. I'm joined today by NAS Whiting Field. I've got Jamie Coffey from the Public Affairs Department here with a very couple very special guests. I'll let you introduce them. Thank you for being here. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Jake. How are you, and how was your weekend? Oh, it was great. I slept most of the time, watched a little football. I was just going to ask. Yeah. Like, so. any, are you disappointed in, in last night? Um, well, or... since there were offsetting bad calls or no calls in the uh, Kansas City game, I think I'm okay for this year. Uh, the Lions made it in, so I'm just interested to watch what happens now. Good, so, good. Well, yeah. I'll be excited once we get into the office the uh, this morning and see yeah. what everybody says. Were, about... you, were you pulling for Tampa Bay? Oh, maybe. A little bit. Yeah, that was, that was bad. <laughs> it was bad. But... Okay, so we'll just jump in with who yeah. we've got today. So first... I wanted to officially introduce the Deputy Public Affairs Officer for NAS Whitingfield, Mr. Zach Harris. Yay. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> He's never, we just kind of, sometimes we just jump right in and Zach and Jamie are here. Um, but Zach has been with NAS Whitingfield since September, I believe. He That's started. Correct. Yeah. So um, as a DOD civilian, though, um, and this is what I love about, you know, a lot of us have some type of joint um, military experience and, and we can um, pop back and forth with all the different branches of service. And uh, Zach and I, obviously, we work as DOD civilians for the Navy, for the U.S. Navy. Um, but Zach is transitioning back to the Navy um, because previous he was working with the Army, with our Army brothers. So, of course, all of our um, branches of service have different cultures and just the way we operate day to day and it's kind of the cool part about working for the military is um learning all the different cultures and just Absolutely. man um being able to support and serve with soldiers and airmen and sailors it's kind of a cool thing so we're super excited that you swapped over from the army well, back to, to the back. navy uh you know because i'm a navy veteran so it's just yep. like it was like returning home again yeah. So it's good to be back. And now tell us real quick or tell the listeners what you did when you were active duty in the Navy. Oh, when I was active duty, I was a mass communications specialist or MC, uh, if you're familiar with what our ratings are. Um, before that, I enlisted as a journalist uh, way back in 2004 and then did about six and a half years um, in a ship out in Guam, USS Frank Cable AS-40. Oh, very And cool. then uh, spent some time out on Naval Air Station North Island working for Commander Naval Air Forces. So being back at a Naval Airfield is, you know, bringing back those fond memories I have of working uh, out on Coronado. Yeah, absolutely. You've done some cool stuff, too. Yeah, absolutely. Dipped in and out of different um, different variations of the military and government service. And, yeah, yeah, one of these days we're going to have to just have you on where we just – kind of talk about that because you've done some cool stuff and I know you're dangerous with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> I do all right. Yeah. I do all right. Getting better every day. Yeah. So we're going to, um, this morning, we're going to introduce our Sailor of the Year. So this is NAS Whitingfield's Sailor of the Year. And we say AC1 because we just always in the Navy go by the rate first. So, um, but we're going to jump into that and that's, uh, but that's Air Traffic Controller, first class, Mr. Paul Rast. Good morning, and, and thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, we absolutely. Yeah, we're just su super excited 
um, to have you and kind of talk to you today and um, let the listeners kind of get to know you. Um, of course, you know, Sailor of the Year comes um, with a package submission and the leadership take these packages and they look at things like um, their civil duty, their volunteerism and their professionalism and their job responsibilities and their collateral duties because um, and that we were just talking about that earlier before we went on the air that not only are our sailors doing their primary job, sometimes they have a secondary secondary responsibility and then on top of that sometimes um, they have collateral duties um, that they that they are also responsible for. So um, I'll going to turn it over to Zach so we can kind of get to know Paul a little bit better. Mr. Rast, yeah. We'll start off real easy. Uh, can you tell us where you're from? So actually, I'm from Pensacola, Florida. Um, born here, lived here for about 10 years, and then moved out to Jay uh, until I was 18. So about eight years in Jay, Florida, and then joined the Navy out of there. You're a local guy. I am right here at home. Join the Navy, see the world, and end up back at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to be nice to be back around uh, an area you're familiar with, and like I'm assuming family is still close by and everything. Oh, yeah. Yep. I have quite a bit of family and friends here, so that is a, a nice aspect to it, but I do miss the mountains. Oh. Where were you at before? Uh, so I actually joined the Navy. I uh, went to A school here in Pensacola and then transferred up to Washington State. So I spent four years in Washington oh, wow. where I got to see the beautiful scenery and the change of seasons because we don't have that here. No, no, we don't. Uh, we also don't need snow tires down here, though. So that is uh, that's <laughs> nice. You know, you don't you don't have to worry about chains or anything like that. Oh. Yeah, you just have to decide whether you're wearing shorts or uh, two pairs of jeans because it could be 30 <laughs> or it could be 80. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. <laughs> So well, true. you know, if it starts off 30, you, you take off a second pair of jeans uh, once it hits 80 later in the day. So that's always, you know, it's nice yeah, transition. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where are you at up in Washington? Uh, Bremerton, Washington. So I was on USS Nimitz, uh, spent four years stationed there, two deployments, and uh, loved every bit of Washington, not every bit of the ship. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I can imagine so. Uh, the mountains of Washington are probably a lot more beautiful than the... Um, uh, below decks of the uh, USS Nimitz, as a fi- as fine of a ship as it is. That that is for sure. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you. Uh, how long have you been in now at this point? Uh, coming up on eight years. Um, so oh, wow. just past my seven year mark. Four years in Washington, and then I've been down here uh, two and a half years, give or take a little bit. Oh, that's nice. Uh, how much longer are you going to be here in town? Uh, I have a year and a half left here. Okay, great. Any idea where you want to go next? Uh, looking at separating from the Navy and going to the Federal Aviation Administration. Oh, so fantastic. Cool. Do yeah. uh, air traffic control on that side. Yeah. Would you want to stay local doing that or maybe uh, travel? Uh, get back out west somewhere. Okay, nice. God, God bless you for wanting to get into that field right now. We need we need a little help. Uh, it's getting a little scary uh, right there, so we'd be glad to have you in that department. Uh, if you have questions today, let us know. 437-1620. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. My guests today are Jamie Coffey and Zach Harris from the Public Affairs Office, and they are interviewing the Sailor of the Year, Paul Rast. Gra- uh, thank you for your service. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Back to you. Outstanding. Yes, and any questions you call in with, please let them be uh, softball questions so that we don't have to get <laughs> yes football related maybe oh that would be great yeah, yeah. yes um so between uh here and uh nimitz um are you what's been your favorite i mean getting to see stuff when you're out you know deployed with nimitz i mean obviously you have a, a heavy schedule when you're you know underway and all that 
but getting to see some of those places overseas, did y'all get to make a lot of port visits or was it more like just business only out there? Well, uh, funny you asked that. My first deployment, I came in, I was about two months late on it. Um, they'd already pulled into one port and then we got to see Dubai and Bahrain on that one. Um, oh, that was wow. a very cool experience. Yeah. Fast forward to my second deployment was good old coronavirus. Oh, oh. yeah. So uh, we did uh, a year underway no ports oh wow yeah it was a it was a lot of lessons learned for sure i imagine that had to be extremely intense to be underway for that long yeah Um, yeah it was it was for sure we uh kind of started out as an experiment and uh figured out it worked and then we were able to serve our country while other carriers weren't able to get underway so it was wow well very cool very cool that's a challenge in itself just serving on the ship um from what i understand it's pretty fast paced Yep, a lot of extra life stressors, challenges, um, emotional stressors. But in the end, you kind of develop the best family you've ever had. So sure. it does make it a little bit better. Yeah, those uh, those tight quarters do make for real tight-knit family there once you're uh, you know, uh, you know, looking back on it, I'm sure. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for oh, sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so when you got in, did you know you wanted to be an air traffic controller when you started? Like, is this is this path you've been set on or was that something where you know you got to the recruiting office and they you know said this was available and you're like well that sounds good I'm going to take that yeah so I've always loved aviation can't fly without a college degree um so air traffic control was the next best route and then it's a fun job a very rewarding job and then out on the outside it also uh it pays pretty well so yeah absolutely I did want to be an air traffic controller when I went to MAPS do you still um want to get your pilot's license eventually and get up in the air I actually Everybody at work is going to clown me for this, but I am a pilot. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I got my pilot's license probably about six months ago. Oh. Um, going to start working on IFR soon. Oh, Just fantastic. more of a hobby, not a job. Oh, sure. What so, is the IFR? Yeah. So for the uh, for the folks, any kind of acronyms? I, I was going to ask, but I was just going to let them fly. <laughs> no uh, pun intended. Instrument flight rules. So reference to instruments versus looking out the window. Uh, that's the next rating that anybody in the pilot kind of oh. training would go through after their private pilot would be to get their instrument. Oh, cool. But you can still you can still fly a plane now, like by yourself, or do you still need an instructor with you to go up in the air, or how does that work? Yep, I can still fly by myself. Um, I can go rent a plane from Pensacola or Milton anytime I want. There's actually one of the helicopter pilots at Whiting that rents aircraft, um, and so I'll fly with him, or not fly with him, but rent that aircraft to fly that aircraft. Um, it's, a, it's a very cool experience. Kind of opens a lot of doors, but also very expensive. Uh, yeah, I can only <laughs> imagine. I mean, yeah. just to rent, and then I'm sure gas is, you know, as expensive as it is for you know, a car. Oh yeah. Point. Yeah. Plus a couple dollars and it burns a little faster. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, and people talk about when they're flying and they're in the air, they talk about it being such a surreal experience. I mean, do you, do you feel that way when you're in the air? Oh yeah. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, obviously flying in an airliner is kind of one thing people just go through it. It's a routine thing to do. Um, but flying in a small aircraft, you feel everything, you see everything yeah. you kind of go where you want and do what you want um, and it makes it a much more rewarding experience um, and then doing that by yourself knowing you're the only one that has to get the plane back on the grounds uh, it's pretty cool I can imagine there's no beverage cart either so that's you know <laughs> no, no, whatever you take with you yeah absolutely <laughs> Uh, what's the most, uh, what's the farthest you've traveled in a plane? I mean, like, are you just jumping to regional airports or how does that, I mean, how how far have you flown on your own, like around the country? Uh, so my longest flight by myself would be from here to Gulfport. Oh, wow. That's cool. Do you fly along the coast, like track the coastline or how do you? Uh, flew over Mobile and then flew down to Gulfport and, uh, you just 
kind of you know where it is and reference that and then fly those headings to get there Fantastic. so we'll actually build a flight plan and then follow that flight plan on the charts is it's kind of tough to explain without showing mm-hmm. yeah because you're speaking greek to me right now right, yeah, right. i was trying to yeah. avoid that <laughs> Um, so as as we said when we were introing you, you were selected as our uh, Whiting Field Sailor of the Year. Um, how does that feel? Um, it's pretty surreal. There's a lot of, as she said, a package gets submitted. There was, I think, uh, six other sailors on my Sailor of the Year board that had packages submitted. A lot of very good competition, hard workers at Whiting. Um, but being able to win that, and it's more so everything on my package was what my sailors did over the past year. Sure. So I was a leader of 23 sailors, and all the work that they put in, is what I was able to put on my package. Sure. And uh, so being able to win that and then show them that your hard work did this for me, um, as well as all the mentorship that I've just gotten from my leaders since I've been in the Navy. We were talking before we got on the air, and you said one of your collateral duties is that you're the uh, lead petty officer, LPO, of your uh, section. Uh, division, I don't know how is that, division section? So we have, a, we have ATC division, and then it's split in half. There's a port crew and a starboard crew, or crew one, crew two. Um, and that's the crew that works days one week, and then we'll work eves the next week. And the two crews alternate to keep whiting running from 7 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. Um, and so I'm the leader of one of those crews. Each crew has, give or take, 20 sailors. Um, and we're responsible for everything pertaining to them, from manning, showing up to work, um, when they have appointments, when they need development, leadership development, uh, training, anything going on in their life, you're kind of just the one person that they're going to feed all of their information through. Sure. I mean, 20 plus bodies. I mean, that's a lot to keep track of. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's an experience. Were you, uh, were you an LPO on your carrier before you left or was this something new when you arrived here at Whiting? Uh, I was not, when I was on the carrier, I was what they call a work center supervisor. Okay. Um, it's like its own form of LPO. Um, there's a maintenance program on the ship that keeps the ship running and you are responsible for all of those maintenance items, which means tasking sailors to perform the maintenance actions. So, wow. gotcha. God. So, uh, was it uh, is it was it a big shift for you from just being responsible for yourself and say your work center to then being now you're responsible for these uh, 23 people? I mean, that's a lot of um, juggling to keep uh, you know focused on. It's a it's a lot to take on, and it's something to be respected because at the base level, their entire career development is on you. You can't get them the help they need unless you notice that they need the help. Um, when they ask for guidance, you have to give the proper guidance, and that's kind of where a bad leader can lead sailors in a bad way. Sure. And so it is a it's a thing to be respected for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What's been uh, what's been the biggest challenge for you um, doing that? Um, you know, leading so many people. Um, keeping track of things. I don't have a planner, uh, so I keep it all in my head, and it kind of <laughs> it bounces around pretty quick. So it's just a matter of keeping everything in there and remembering what's coming up. Um, I think that was my biggest thing is more just the planning piece. You can do that as an AC. Our ACs are, you know, so smart and <laughs> incredibly quick. We, we, a lot going on in our heads for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, and Whiting is has the most operations of any airport, uh, what, in, in the world, I believe, is the correct uh, uh, figure for that? Yeah, or? between all the outlying fields and then our facility and then when – Choctaw was open. Um, it's 1.1 million a year, wow. I think is the average. Which is more than Atlanta's uh, Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. They just do it all in one location. Ours is a little more spread out. Oh, yeah, wow. That's why they so. end up calling us the busiest air complex in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to jump in real quick. So one of our listeners, Steve, um, has asked um, if you would give any advice um, to young people considering the military service. 
Is there anything you would, what would you bestow on someone who's thinking about joining the military? It is what you make it. Um, so if you want to join the work that you put in is what you're going to get in return from it. Uh, there's a lot of rewarding things between going to school, um, just whatever job you choose, the training that you get from that, uh, the skills that you learn, the connections that you make. Uh, so it can be a very rewarding experience if you choose to make it that there are very tough times in the military that you'll experience, but it's the people that just live by those tough times are the people that make it through the tough times and then Mm. decide to do well still. Yeah. You're, you'd be surprised at what happens when you decide, when you decide you're going to get 100%. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, when you're getting a paycheck work until you're not getting that paycheck anymore. That's one thing I do. I talk about getting out of the Navy, but as long as I'm in, I'm going to keep doing my job and attempting to do it well. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, so you know, hearing just air, air traffic controller seems like a very, you know, nebulous title, not really understanding the specifics of it. What exactly goes into what you do? Um, a lot of training. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little uh, choked up. But uh, anyways, a lot of training goes into it, book work, um, and then actually getting on position and just kind of, we call it getting on position. So there's different jobs that you work even in the tower. So in the tower, there will be three controllers with three different jobs. Uh, one of those is responsible for talking to pilots on the ground. One of them is responsible for their flight plans. And then one of them is responsible for them in the air. So each of those requires a completely different set of knowledge and a different set of training. And as you get on those, we call it on the job training. So you'll learn everything you need to know for the position, but then you get on position and actually get trained to do it. Um, and it's, I mean, it's critical thinking at its roots. That's really the entirety of the job. You learn the knowledge and learn what tools to use, but then you have to know when to use the tools. So that's uh, the best way to explain air traffic control is probably just critical thinking ability. Oh, wow. and, remind, and the gentle reminder that NAS Winding Field, this is a training base. I mean, so you are in a training environment at all times. So um, these pilots are in different stages, right, of of their training and of their syllabus when they're in the aircraft. So I just feel like the ACs have to be on the top of their game at all times. Oh yeah. Um, you know, when something's normal with the aircraft or when something's normal with the pilot, then you can see when their stress is increased. Um, and you may have to intervene a little bit more. So that's something we pay attention to, especially we have student pilots, um, that are soloing and they've had maybe six flights and then they're taking the aircraft up by themselves. So that's something very specific that we train to pay attention to. You have to give them a little more care, make sure that you're paying attention to them because they don't have the skills that these other aviators with 1,500 hours in the aircraft have. Yeah, right. Um, so it's just, it's not any fault of their own, but they have to learn through their situations as well. Do you think with your uh, background is um, getting your own uh, private pilot's license, you're able to see those stressors maybe a little bit better than people who haven't been through that kind of training before? Or is it something that... At the more you do your job, the better you get at, at seeing when a pilot is heading in that direction. Um, not so much the stressors. It's more the uh, application of the rules and the ways that pilots kind of appreciate the help in certain directions or vice versa, how pilots can help controllers. So the same way that I can kind of see it from the pilot's perspective, when I'm flying, I can also see it from the controller's perspective yeah, absolutely. so that it benefits on both sides. Wow. That's great perspective. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Definitely multifaceted. I, I'm going to feel a lot more uh, safe 
flying on airlines if I know he's <laughs> he's anywhere associated. I mean, you're just so smart, dude. I'm, I'm so impressed by you. Uh, you're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel <clears throat> this morning. I've, I've got I've got the same the same thing happening to me here. We're just getting all choked up here in the studio. <laughs> but my guest this morning is it Kofi or coffee? I've never coffee. asked you. Just coffee. Like the drink. All right. Oh yeah, I, I love that. Uh, Jamie Coffee and Zach Harris from the Public Affairs Department of uh, NAS Whiting Field here uh, talking to the Sailor of the Year, Paul Rast. And uh, talking about the man, just, you know, like I said, God bless you for wanting to get into that. Cause I just, my thank mind you, can't you. even, it just shuts down when I think of having to do that. I would be so nervous. Um, but if you have any questions before we, we wrap this up here, let us know 437-1620. I'll turn it back over to you, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. We absolutely love, um, or maybe it's just cause I absolutely love it. And I love my job, but I love talking about NAS Whiting Field. Um, but the best part of it is talking about um, and getting to know all of our service members out at NAS Whiting Field. And, of course, we have the maritime services out there. So um, these students are Marines, Coast Guard, and Navy. And then all of our enlisted sailors are active duty U.S. Navy. So we just have just some awesome folks out there serving at NAS Whiting Field. Um out there at Milton, in Milton, Florida. Every, <laughs> it took us a couple years. Everybody would ask, you know, is that close to NAS Pensacola? I'd say, well, they're about 45 minutes, 50 minutes apart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're actually in Milton. Um, Without but, traffic. Uh, right. Yes. yes. Right. A little, yes. little different in Milton than it is in, mm-hmm. in uh, Pensacola for sure. But, yeah, this is the best part of it. And you can understand, just talking to Paul, why he is the Sailor of the Year. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's just incredible. And, and our community does a great job. He's this is this is just the beginning uh, for his recognition as Sailor of the Year. Um, in February, there's going to be a banquet. Um, so that's something else that the Santa Rosa County Chamber of Commerce and our Navy League does such a good job of recognizing our Sailor of the Quarter, Blue Jacket of the Quarter, Junior Sailor of the Quarter, and now the the dinner, the banquet for the Navy League. Um, they will honor they will honor Paul along with Instructor Pilots of the Year. So we'll have some squadron recognition out there as well because we have six squadrons at NAS Whiting Field. Wow. So largest training air wing in the Navy. And six squadrons. So there's a lot going on at NASY. So I wrote, I wrote this on my notes uh, for the last show we had, and I never brought it up. But is it true that NAS Whitingfield trains 100% of all Navy, Marine, and Coast Guard helicopter pilots? That is correct. So that all those correct. people have to come here to, to Pensacola mm-hmm. to do that, or actually to Milton. Right, yeah. right. If they're, if they're helicopter pilots, they have winged right right there at mm. NAS Whiting Field. Wow. We, we do winging ceremonies every two weeks. Mm. Every Yeah, so we're, yeah, we're like twice a month where we're... We're turning out anywhere from 15 to 35 pilots in that winging wow. ceremony. Um, so, and we cover the winging ceremony sometimes, and once in a blue moon, we'll go live. So, I encourage everybody to um, take a peek at those winging ceremonies because we are definitely focused on the helicopter training, but we have a whole nother side to the base, mm-hmm. and that's the T6s. So, I just real quick, Paul, can you explain what? On the air traffic control side of things, is it different on the T6 side of the base, the north side, versus when you're doing helicopters on the south side? Um, yes. So the T6 side is very fixated on one route. So whenever they fly into our airspace to come land on the runway, they all come from the same point. They're all following each other. Um, and it becomes very simple unless something out of the ordinary happens. On the helicopter side, they 
kind of come from every direction. So it's a lot more critical thinking back to that Mm. Um, and just figuring out what your plan is going to be and getting these helicopters from the east, the west, the south, the southwest, all to the runway safely where they see each other and they can all land in a timely manner. Um, And that's the biggest differences between those two. Wow. That's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, Mm. it really is. For sure. It is. I know our time is coming to an end, but real quick, I just want to ask about family. So are you married children i'm not married yet um march is the wedding is planned uh congratulations but I have a- oh, nice. yeah nice congratulations yeah. yeah my fiance vanessa she's actually in the navy as well she's a chief down at um aca school so she's teaching air traffic controllers and then i'm working with air traffic controllers um, oh very fantastic. cool shout out to her and then my two-year-old beagle roscoe the most important one. <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right well thank you guys so much for being here today it's the pensacola expert panel we'll be right back